As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? Welcome back to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. Just got back from Minneapolis a little bit ago. You guys saw what happened. We saw what happened. I want to start with a tweet, James. What an incredible game between Argentina and France. Makes you totally forget about anything crazy that may have happened in the NFL yesterday. James, you know who that tweet was from? I know who it's from, but <laughs> it's from, I'll let you do the honors. <laughs> it's from Sarah Ryan, Matt Ryan's wife. Great World Cup final a couple of hours ago. Not so great finish for the Colts yesterday in Minnesota, unless you're rooting for a higher draft pick in that case. They found a way to lose. It was a surreal day of football for me. I'd never seen anything quite like that. No one in the NFL actually had ever seen a game like that where a team raced to a 33-point halftime lead and found a way to lose. James, where do we even begin with this one? Let's go to the locker room where we met the players after the game and we saw something we hadn't seen at any point this season. There have been some low moments this season, especially the last time we saw them after a game in Dallas when they sat there shell-shocked after they gave up 33 points to the Cowboys in the fourth quarter alone. But this was different. This was historic. This was the biggest collapse in NFL history. We saw some guys just sitting there in a daze. What did you see? That's exactly what I saw. I saw Grover Stewart just staring at the floor, not doing anything. It took him forever to like get up and actually leave the locker room. Same thing with DeForest Buckner, who I know you talked to. He just looked so dejected and despondent and just spaced out. EJ Speed sat there, head in his hands, like, what the heck just happened? Deion Jackson looked like he may have been crying or was on the verge of crying because he had the fumble in the fourth quarter and he felt so bad about it. He looked teary-eyed and just, you could barely hear him when you were asking him questions. It felt like something died in that room, honestly. I don't know if it's like will or or you know your gumption or your tenacity or your joy for the game, but something died on that field because afterward, that was as low as I've seen a locker room in my short time being on the NFL beat. But 
there's been some low ones this season. Like I didn't think it would get could get any quieter than like losing twenty four nothing at Jacksonville in week two. Didn't think it could get any worse than you know getting blown out thirty three nothing in the fourth quarter against uh you know Dallas you know two weeks ago, and then you come back after the bye, get out to this huge lead against the playoff you know team, and you find a way to lose. It was pathetic, embarrassing. You name it, it was that. I guess the running joke for me on the beat is like, you know, just when you think your rookie season, <laughs> you've seen it all, James. You really haven't. Like, no one has seen that. And I, I was thinking about this coming into the podcast. It's like, normally you're able to just, you know, either one of us or other guys on the beat, we could just hit up Chap and be like, hey, Chap, when's the last time this happened? Or something similar to this. He has never even seen this. And he's literally covered the team since they moved to Indianapolis. So he's been on the beat for 30 plus years or whatever. So, yeah, I guess from your perspective, what did you see and, and maybe what was your reaction to taking in the locker room and what you saw? Something's broken with this team right now. It, it just feels like there's no way back from this. This was a different type of locker room. And I've been in every kind of locker room before. And like you mentioned, it, it was the biggest comeback in NFL history. The previous biggest comeback, the, both of them, you know, the top two have Colts ties. The, the first one, obviously, is the playoff game from 1992, Bills over Oilers. Frank Reich led the comeback. And before that, you know, the second biggest comeback was was Andrew Luck, down 28 points late in the third quarter against the Chiefs in 2013. But this takes the cake, and, and no, the stinks weren't nearly as high, but it was surreal in a lot of ways. You see guys sort of staring off into the distance, and I, and I asked Quentin Nelson, for, for lack of a better question, how did we get here? How did this team that has talent on it, you're unable to argue the fact that they have talent on this team, whether it's in the right spots or not is a different question, but... You know, Quentin said, you know, he wasn't really sure, but he blamed the offense. And that's really the big part of this season. But he said that that was insane. And he didn't mean it in a good way. You know, DeForest Buckner is picking the scab off his knee. And he said, man, we preach finish all the time around here. They have the word finish written in their locker room in huge block letters. And DeForest says, we preach finish all the time and, and we don't finish. And he's right. They don't. They don't. And yesterday was a historic example and I asked Isaiah Rogers, and he didn't even know. Most of these guys did not even know that they had made history in a very bad way. And he said he was speechless. And, and Julian Blackman chimed in and said that was an embarrassment. And that was not the first time or the last time I heard that word embarrassment yesterday. That's what it was. There's no other way to put it. They're up 36 to 7 late in the third quarter with 319 left. 36 to 7. And they have a 99.6% chance to win the game. Like, the Colts are not a team that's like bereft of talent. Like they have players, they have players and they're not starting their third different quarterback because the other two are injured or anything like that. Like this is not like, this is not a team that should blow a 33 point lead. And I don't care what happened the previous weeks. Like these guys are still playing. They're still trying. The effort is still there, but that leads me back to my original point. Something is broken along the way. And I think it starts It starts with what happened in early November when Jim Mercer decided to move to Jeff Saturday. And this is nothing against Jeff Saturday, but I don't think a qualified coach allows that kind of afternoon to happen. They just they just got so conservative, and I think it crept into their heads. What, what happened in Dallas crept back into their heads because it's hard to lose a game that you're up 33 points. It's like literally hard to do it. But here's how, here's how you do it. You have nine offensive possessions after halftime, and your longest drive goes 31 yards. You punt, you kick a field goal, you punt, you punt, you punt, you fumble the ball, you turn over on downs, you punt, and then you punt. 
when it, it, at what point yesterday, James, we're sitting there and it's loud, right? We're in an open air press box for the first time all season. At what point do you start to think they might actually lose this? I think after the Justin Jefferson touchdown, I think that made it like a two score game. And yes, I would agree. You told me, you know, before that, like, hey, start writing now. So we're not here all night. You know, classic <laughs> Zach. We're trying to get out of here. And I and I get it, you know. And it felt like, hey, we got a layup today. You know, they're they're gonna more or less win. I'm thinking of my JoJo Doman angle <laughs> and other things, because you know, and then you look up at the end and you're like, wow, they really lost this thing. So I think after the Justin Jefferson touchdown is when it became real. And I'll even say this, and I, I pointed this out, me and you were talking about it. The Vikings really should have won in regulation. By more. And by more than just yes. like three. And they got robbed terrible, of two touchdowns. Terrible calls. The yeah. two worst calls I've seen this season. And they both went the Colts' way. That was the in the second quarter when Michael Pittman Jr. fumbled. Yes, he fumbled. I don't care what anybody says about forward progress. He was fighting for extra yards. And that was that's a subjective call. What he did was the same play that JT had a few weeks ago when he fumbled and they did they didn't call it dead. So I think even Michael Pittman Jr. would tell you I fumbled on that and I just got bailed out. And they scoop and scored it. That gets blown dead, doesn't count. And then Deion Jackson clearly fumbles, not even close, balls out. They get another scoop and score, and it's blown dead. And after they score, you know, they review it, but because they blew it dead and they, they ruled that he was down by contact, you can only give possession back to the Vikings. You can't give them, like, the continuation of the play. So they took two touchdowns off the, bo- off the board that would have helped them make that comeback. The first one would have been – it would have been 23-7 to after the, the, the scoop and score. It actually ends up being 30-0 to after, you know, Julian Blackman gets a pick six. And obviously the, the second one would have tied the game. But either way, they still found a way to lose. And it just was the epitome of the age-old saying. I forget where I heard it first, but it's like bad teams find a way to lose. And the Colts are indeed a bad team. They're just – they are the laughing stock of the NFL, in my opinion. That's kind of what they've become. It's not even that you're losing. It's just you're finding ways to do it in unprecedented fashion. They're rewriting the script on how to lose. Exactly. And I'll let you take it from here. But I mean, Jim Irsay said after the Raiders game, you know, hey, you know, you guys were talking, whatever, whatever, kind of took his shots or whatever. Haven't heard a word since because you know what's happened since? Reality has sat in, has sat in. And and everyone knows that Jeff Saturday should not should not be a head coach in the NFL. I said that the night, the night of. That was my piece. You know this. I was I was hot on this because I'm like, there's no way in the world this guy should be an NFL head coach. Yet here he is. And it's not me rooting for him to fail. I never said that. It's just the reality that he was going to fail. Period. Most interim coaches do. But interim coaches with no head coaching experience absolutely do. And now they're doing it in margins you've never seen before. So I thought they got scared in the second half. There were a couple of those like third and goals where they ran the ball and they hadn't ran the ball well all day. And I'm like, throw the ball. I hated the play One throw yesterday. to win the game. So, hated it in the second ahead. half. This is the bed they've made. And I'm, by that, I mean Jim Irsay. You went out and hired someone without any head coaching experience, any coaching experience at this level. And this is the return you get. And this is expected. It's really hard to win in this league. And we hear that all the time on our end, right? Guys say that all the time. Players say that all the time. Matt Ryan said that a million times this season. The reason he says it, it's because it's true. It's right. Every team has a lot of talent. Every team has a coaching staff of 20 to 25 different coaches. 
several of which are really good at what they do. And it's really hard to win in this league. And the margins are very small. And a lot of times games are decided by three or One four score. points. It's it's That's what this league is. And that's why it's so great every single weekend to watch this league because you don't know what's going to happen. And this is a wild stat. But going back to 1930, teams had been a 1,548 one and one when leading by 30 points in a game. Now they are 1,548 and two and one. That's how rare what we saw yesterday was. And and I asked Jeff Saturday, for lack of a better way to ask it, I said, how the hell did that happen? One play at a time. We didn't play great. We didn't execute. And, and then at the end, he said, you know, this one's just like the rest of them. This one stings just like the rest of them. Yeah, no, it's not. No, like this, this is different, man. This is a different type of collapse. Like we've said, it's, it's like nothing no one's ever done in this league before. But also... It speaks to the bigger picture of where this team is. And I wrote that, you know, it's a damning indictment of where this franchise is. It's flailing right now. This franchise is flailing and it feels more lost and more dejected and more despondent than it has in decades. And that's not hyperbole because there's no obvious answer moving forward. You're going to have to go find a new coach. In my opinion, you can't bring this back with Jeff Saturday under any circumstance. How is that not obvious? And then secondly, there's no number one draft pick waiting for you. There's no hope there's no obvious pick that's going to save you and sort of ease the fan base. You're going to have to do this the hard way, which this team hasn't had to do in almost 30 years. And, and that's going to be difficult and that's going to be really hard. And there's so many flaws that have been exposed in the last few weeks, but you get this gift from the football gods in the first half, right? So many things go your way. You block a punt, you get a touchdown, you get Julian Blackman's pick six. You have that great throw from Matt Ryan to Deion Jackson for that touchdown you're up 30 to zero. You're up 33 to zero. And did you feel like it was over? I did. I put, it was a complete beat down and I just felt like, okay, here are the football guys just handing the, the Colts a win because again, what are the chances of Jojo Doman scoring a touchdown, an undrafted rookie who only plays on special teams. But then you look up at the end of the game and again, Jojo Doman, undrafted rookie who only plays on special teams, scored as many touchdowns as the entire offense. And I get that. That's what I wrote after the game. I understand the that the, the defense gave up, you know, I believe five touchdowns in the second half. There's this great quote from Patrick Peterson walking into the Vikings locker room after the game. And he's like, we just need five touchdowns. And I mean, I don't know. How do you even take that serious? And I guess they did because obviously they came out and did it. But I understand that the defense collapsed in the second half. I understand that it is not all on one unit. What did Quentin Nelson but say? But it is one drive. To win it ends the game. That's what he said. We're up 33-0. All we need, and he said, it. he's like, we get one score. We put doubt back into them. We kind of take their will. One touchdown drive wins the game. And I don't want to hear about, well, this factor, this is, I don't care. This is the National Football League. You should be able to put one drive together and a half of football for a touchdown. And that was the running joke early in the season. I was telling you, you know, un unserious was like my little buzzword, but that's what they are. They're unserious. How do you not – you have nine possessions, ten technically because they kneeled right before, you know, the to go into overtime. But nine possessions, and you don't score at least one touchdown. All you need is one score. So I don't want to hear about the – and the defense has held you up all season long. Like, can you have their back for once, please? And, and the defense scored yesterday. Here's they the scored. Here's the problem. They were up 36-7, to seven, and they had scored one offensive touchdown. So things weren't much different, right, with the offense. 
things weren't much different. Now, they had capitalized that one time and got that one touchdown. But that was a problem. And I remember tweeting that out. You have to score touchdowns. And Matt Ryan mentioned this after the game. Quentin Nelson mentioned this after the game. After this, after the half, these stats are staggering. Like, they look crazy on paper, but just think about them for a minute. The longest drive after the half for the Colts was 31 yards. They had nine freaking drives. They passed for 56 yards after halftime. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins threw for 399 yards. Colts threw for 56. That is shameful. That is absolutely shameful. I hated the play calling from Parks Frazier. It was very conservative. Running up the middle on first down, it might as well just hand them a first down. Might as well just cancel first down because there's no point because it's going to be second and long every time. They never took a shot. And when they did, they couldn't convert it. And they played scared and they played not to lose and it cost them. But that's who they are, really. That's the team that's scared to try to win. You saw it in the fourth quarter in Dallas, and that was just a preview of the second half in Minnesota. They were outscored 33 points in a single quarter, and that isn't even the most alarming stat from this month of football. It's the fact that they blew a 33-point lead at halftime, their biggest lead at halftime in 28 years, and they found a way to lose that game. And they should have lost in regulation, and they lost in an overtime. And the only, the only silver lining, James, I can find, and I know the fans are looking for some positivity here, you're moving on up in the draft. You're at seventh right now with a couple teams. You might be able to move to fifth if before the day's over. And then secondly, there's only three games left. There's only three more times that you have to watch the Indianapolis Colts play this season if you choose to, because the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is, is what they do after this season is over. But I think yesterday probably cemented it in my mind, if it wasn't already cemented before that, and it was. Jeff Saturday's not a coach. He's not a coach right now. You think there's a chance they bring him back? Absolutely not. He said last there, week a, that he wants to interview. Yeah, wouldn't matter to me. I, I wouldn't even give him an interview, to be honest with you. I know Jim Irsay probably will out of respect, but there's no way that I would even consider him to be a real football coach for my team. Now, I'm not saying he can't be like the offensive line coach. Like, you know, or, oh, or, or an, completely or an, different. Right. He, he but, sort of is the offensive line coach. I mean, you watch practice, right? Like, what yeah, does Jeff Saturday do? He just goes, watches the offensive line. Yeah. And that's, in fairness, I guess that's like the during the, the viewing portion that we see. I'm sure there's other things that he does. However, I, I don't think that there's a lot of just experience there, quite frankly. And that's what you need in this league. You don't come in and just basically wing your way through it, which is kind of what Jim Ursay said you know he said he literally told us i'm glad he doesn't have experience i'm sure he's not glad now he's learning like, now how tough it is to win and again just little margins and I, I was fine with the fourth and one sneak i do think that there is you know you might want to give it to your kicker who had been great all day 53 yards to to end it i don't hate that call it's just like just the entire outlook of the second half you played let's scared. go into that Let's go into that because Jeff Saturday said today that he has no regrets for that call. He liked it. He liked the matchup, which was a strange way to, to say you liked the QB sneak call. The Colts are fifth worst in the league this year at fourth downs. They've been better with Jeff Saturday. But the problem is Matt Ryan's not a mobile quarterback. And I know it's just one yard, but if that blows up in your face, that just this place was rocking yesterday. I mean, that was as loud. Quentin Nelson said that was as loud as he's ever heard a stadium. And if you make the kick, the game is over. It's 11 points and it's over. I get it. If you make the fourth down conversion, it's probably over as well. 
But in hindsight, I kind of like taking the kick. And I know that's not the right move analytically, but Chase was great yesterday. He was five for five. He's been great from 50 yards all season. Yeah, he's the other bright spot. Like, you know, he's the third bright spot, I guess, from yesterday. Is like, you find out who your kicker is. If, if, you, if you're going <laughs> to mess up anything up, don't mess up this. Like, just re-sign him. He's, you know, now has, I mean, he's a, he's a single season record holder for 50-yard field goals. He's been pretty accurate since he's been um, brought on after the Rodrigo Blankenship thing, which seemed like, you know, light years ago. But yeah, just, I don't know, Zach, like we were writing, you know, writing our pieces and, you know, just kind of debriefing with the rest of the beat. I mean, it was almost like, and I've never really felt like this as a reporter, is like, what do you ask? Like, I don't think too hard about what I'm going to ask after games. You know what you want to hit on, what angles you're going to take, who you want to approach and how. You know, there's some nuance to it. But I truly had to, like, think, like, okay, how do I respectfully ask what just happened? How do I respectfully ask, you know, will you remember this forever? And PJ Speed said, you know, we're in the move on business. And Zaire Franklin is saying, yeah, we're never going to we're not going to hold on to this one any longer than the other ones. That's fine if you don't. But history will. They will be like asked every about this. single time a, a team has an, an inkling of a comeback in the second half. They're going to bring up looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Colts and the Vikings in 2022, week 15, and they're they're going to detail how the impossible happened. And on the other side of that, anytime a team is getting boat raced in the first half, the team that's losing, the coaches are going to say, hey, it's never over. It's never over. There was this game on a Saturday in Minnesota when the Colts were up 33-0 to zero at half and 36-3 to three late in the third quarter when they actually came back and won. It's possible. I swear to God, it's possible. And people are going to say, no way, I don't believe you. And they've got the proof because it, it's on video. It happened. It really happened. One team found a way to lose. The other team found a way to win. And, and the Colts laid down. That's the reality. You know what I was thinking about, Zach? You know, during the midst of that game, Colts were blowing them out. I was thinking, wow, like, you know, both of us coming from newspapers in the past. I'm like, wow, the headlines on this game, you know, Saturday is going to be a lot of Saturday puns for headlines. I could not believe what I watched. It got to the point also where you just knew once they tied it up with the two point conversion, you're like, oh, it's over now. They didn't even like that guy was wide open. Like, were they even playing defense by the end? I mean, I'm sure they were trying. I never really questioned guys effort, but I, 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 do, I do think that they were shell shocked. Shameful. And Zaire Franklin kind of. He was like, it was kind of like quicksand. The more you fought, the more yeah. you sank. Yeah. Which is a good analogy for how it just started to turn. And I'll give credit 
to the Vikings fans, probably the best fans I've been around in my short time, they were loud. Like, even when they scored, they were down 36 to yeah, 7. They are incredible fans. And so, and I think that's, you know, that had a part too. It, it just felt like one of those movie moments. And I'm sure if I got handed this weak Hollywood script about this game, I'd have been like, get this crap out of my face. But it actually happened. And there's going to be like, you know, things that get made off of a game like that. Now, the only reason it probably is going to be a, a bigger deal is because it wasn't a playoff game and it wasn't like a Super Bowl and, and things like that. But, and I say this seriously, not in a petty way, not in a petty way at all, truly. But like Matt Ryan, he's now attached to the worst loss in league history, regardless of playoff, you know, regular season, whatever. And not, and he also has the worst loss in Super Bowl history. So like, if that wasn't like the final nail in the coffin of just his tenure with the Colts, I don't know what will be. I, I don't think that there's any way you bring him back. Now, obviously he's going to come back because he's got a lot of money owed to him and I don't blame him for that. But it just feels like everything is collapsing. And if anything, I understand you're going to have a, a really high draft pick, but I think all things have to be on the table as far as reevaluating the team and possibly even moving on from certain players. Because if you're going to go get a young quarterback and rebuild, just rebuild. Like, do it from, like, the ground up. Because as you've repeated in several pieces, and even in person, uh, quote, deeply flawed. That's the Zach Kiefer line right there. Deeply flawed. They're deeply flawed. Yeah, we see that. If you're deeply flawed, just strip it down and, like, spare yourself the agony. And, And the irony of it is, the Colts have been in almost every game this season. Truly, they really have been. And then the last two games, and obviously the Jacksonville game, they just they just collapsed. So it's funny how this league works, man, because the Vikings entered the game with a negative point differential with 10 wins, and now they're 11-3. And, and get this, Zach, they're 10-0 and 0 in one-score games. Yeah, that's not going to That last. is unprecedented. So they lost a lot of those it. last year, and, and well, this league is funny. And let's, let's go – Let's go to the Colts quarterback situation from a short term position. Logic would tell me that you move on from Matt Ryan. Like it's it's over. It's obvious to anybody watching this team that that he's not the answer at quarterback. But there's no logic anymore that matters with this team. They're so far removed from like normal NFL protocols that I don't know what they're going to do because nothing would surprise me. Like you guys out there that are listening, like would anything surprise you at this point? Like I'm sort of numb to the unpredictability of this season. If it's Sam Ellinger for the last three games, if it's Nick Foles, if it's Matt Ryan, none of it would surprise me. And I was talking to Sam for a long time last week, just about how crazy the season has been from him, you know, three to two to starter to two to three and he's like, you know, it's a good thing we all like each other. And he meant the three quarterbacks in the room. And they genuinely do. They, these are good dudes. And Matt Ryan's a good dude. And he's been a pro. And he stands up there and he answers the questions. And, you know, I watched him after the game yesterday talking to Paris Campbell. And Paris is like, man, like, we got you. Like, we let you down. And, and like, he's a good teammate. But that only goes so far. And, and what matters is what happens in between the lines. And I just don't see a way you can move forward these next three games with Matt Ryan. But then again, I understand that, like, that would be the normal thing what a normal NFL team would do. And we're so far removed from that right now. You can't play Matt Ryan next year. You can't sell this in the offseason. You can't do it. I don't care what the money is. Let's break it down. So if he retires, you owe him nothing. We'll see. We'll ask Matt Ryan after the season. I'm he sure he's going to say that he's no going to say that he doesn't know yet. He hasn't thought about it. I don't know if I believe him. I think he has an idea in his head, but he, he'll share that when he's ready. 
if he's on the roster, he makes $35 million against the salary cap. That's a very significant chunk of money for a player that's not playing at that level, right? You don't mind paying that if it's Patrick Mahomes or someone, but this is this is clearly not that. If he's not, it's like 17 to 18 million that you just eat. And that's kind of in the ballpark of what the Philadelphia Eagles had to eat when Carson Wentz was traded to Indianapolis. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. I really do think that's what's going to happen. They're going to have to cut him because they can't have him on this roster unless maybe he's a backup. But then again, why would you keep him as a backup if, in, as opposed to Sam Ellinger, right? There's a lot of things we can get into. Uh, I think it's very obvious they need to go find a new quarterback. They need to find a new coach. And they very possibly might be looking for a GM as well. We'll see what Jim Mercer decides to do. I really wonder what's going through his mind after this game yesterday. We didn't see him after the game. And, and he's been quiet. He's been quiet since he talked after the Raiders game, which feels like three months ago when it was really five weeks ago. So they've lost seven of eight. You know, they've really found their way back into the top part of the draft after middling through parts of the season. James, what are we going to see in these final three games? Because it feels like yesterday might have been a turning point. Now, the season was already lost. I'm not saying that, but I think emotionally it's going to be really hard to come back from that. They've got the Chargers at home on Monday night. They go to New York to play the Giants on New Year's Day, and then they wrap up the season against the Texans, the team they tied in week one. What are we going to see from this team? I have no idea because... Every time we make a prediction, it goes the complete opposite way. I do think that we're going to see who's really, I guess, mentally strong when it comes to how you go about your business. And I know every guy is going to say they give their all. Every guy is going to say they play the same no matter what. That's not true. Human, t- human nature tells you it's not true. We have to fight it ourselves as writers. Like, what do we write when it feels like it's the same story every week? And so I think that we're going to see some guys probably check out just because it's natural to do so. But I also think we're going to see some guys who fight like hell because this could be their their final chance to put anything good individually on resume. Because overall, no one's going to be convinced of this team doing anything relatively positive. I think that they lose against the Chargers. I think that they might have an outside chance to beat the Giants because they're not really a good team to me. I think they have a chance to beat the Texans, but even then, like... Texans are they are playing hard late in the season. I don't know if they have yeah, enough to and win. And the Colts are playing hard, but, yeah, again, you they find ways to lose, and I think that that's probably the most annoying thing for anyone in the locker room, offense, defense, special teams, whatever. You were gifted, like, gifted yeah, a pick six, yeah. gifted a, a block punt touchdown, like, gifted, again, two touchdowns that the Vikings got taken away. Yeah. And you still couldn't, couldn't win. I don't think you'll get a silver platter win like that again. I they mean, just don't everything happen happened. Yeah. And and it felt they like, just... okay, this is one of those weird games you look back on. You're like, wow, like that's the NFL. But now we're looking back and it's like, oh, this is a game you'll never forget because of the history behind it. I understand that, again, like these guys are trying, but it just seems like, like Xavier said, the more you try, the more you sink. And, and that's what they're doing. I mean, the effort is there. I can't deny that. But it seems like when one thing happens that doesn't go their way, it just starts to avalanche. And I, that wasn't the, the case earlier in the season. But now it seems like, you know, they get smacked in the face one good time. It's probably just going to snowball after that. Because, I mean, I have no other way to describe yesterday other than an avalanche, snowball, 
you know, whatever other phrase you want to use, adjective, it was downright ridiculous. I, I just don't know other other another way to put it. Yeah, I was really I was really left kind of like speechless myself. And I'm like, okay, how do we draw words out of speechless players and write them about a game that has left everyone in there completely shocked? Yeah, and and you have to be you know respectful. Like these guys are professionals and they're Yeah, they care. They played I mean like DeForest Buckner, like played his ass off. He's played his ass off this season. Grover Stewart. And they're as mystified as we are because they're going into these games believing they should win. And and they're sort of shell shocked afterward when it ends the way it does. But you know, on a macro level, I think I think it's very obvious that every single thing, every inch of this organization needs to be reevaluated because something is wrong. This team complained last year, the GM did, Chris Ballard complained about their record in one score games. And they were two and five in those games last year. And I don't even want to know what the record this year is because I know it's terrible because they've consistently found a way to lose those games this year. I mean, you go back to, to Jacksonville, not in week two, but in the second time they played, they were three, two and one after Alec Pierce's game winning touchdown, three, two and one. They had a winning record. And then what happened the next week? They went to Tennessee and they lost. And then Jim Irsay said, we're going to sit Matt Ryan down. We're going to play Sam Ellinger. Everything has imploded since. And the results are what they deserve, to be honest. Not the players. Not the players who are playing hard. But from a macro level, the guys in charge. This is what you get when you do stupid things in the middle of the season. This is what you get. And it's a shame because there's a lot of guys that are playing their tails off. And it's going to be forgotten. It's going to be overlooked. Like, I think Grover Stewart's been a pro bowler. I think Buckner has absolutely been an all-pro. But it doesn't matter. Guys that are on teams that are 4-9-1 and one don't go to the Pro Bowl very often. So that's the reality that Jim Irsay and if he's here, Chris Bauer are going to have to weigh in the coming weeks about you know where this team is going and what was wrong. They convinced themselves that Carson Wentz was the problem last year. He was the reason they lost those close games. He was the reason that they finished with those two losses to the Raiders and to Jacksonville. They were wrong. They were wrong. This was not about Carson Wentz. His play was bad. Objectively, it was bad. Matt Ryan has been worse this season, and anybody watching this team knows that. And this team was in a much better spot last year at this time than they are right now because those last two games against Jacksonville and the Raiders were not an anomaly like they thought it was. That was a premonition of what was to come because it has never been right since. It has not been right since, and I know for a fact one of the games that pissed Jim Irsay off the most this year was the first one, was Houston. It was absolutely unacceptable. After everything you did in training camp to prepare for week one, you changed the schedule. You went out and got a new quarterback. You went out and paid a cornerback. You got a pass rusher. You were supposed to be different this year, and you couldn't even beat the Texans in week one. You were down 20-3 to three in the second half. So, you know, that was just sort of a foreshadowing moment at the next three or four months of just absolute struggle, just absolute crumbling from a franchise. So that's what we're going to dig into the next couple of weeks. I have some stories coming this week that are a little bit different. James, you've got one you've been working on for God knows how long that'll come out eventually. And we're going to spin this forward because I don't think there's much to write about in terms of pure football right now. I think we need to worry about what's coming next because that's all that matters. All that matters is what they do at the top and what they do moving forward to fix the things that we are watching every Saturday and Sunday. And check this out, Zach. Just one more quick thing on Jeff Saturday. So I asked today, 
You know, I was like, Quentin Nelson said that yesterday's game was the loudest of his NFL career, one of the loudest. You know, do you think that factored into the miscues? Jeff said his response, you know, I'll cut off the beginning. He says, I made that very clear. I had been to that stadium actually during the Super Bowl, working with ESPN. And I just remembered how low the roof was in comparison to how loud it was even without home fans. He is referencing his experience, which is as an ESPN analyst. Like he could not say, you know, I'm sure he could have drawn on some player references, but he couldn't say as a coach that he had been in an environment like that. I guess how fitting was it to him to refer to ESPN? I was like, wow, like that's what we're dealing with here. And that's what they signed up for. This is a small thing. And this got overlooked last week, but it's not it's not a small deal. Last week, one of the Colts assistant coaches, one of the better assistant coaches, Clayton Adams, left with four games to go to take an assistant job at a college, to take an assistant job at Stanford. Now, it's not unheard of for an NFL coach on the staff that's not going to be retained, obviously, or probably not going to be retained, to take a different job. But I've never seen it happen during this season. And then secondly, how do the Colts address the hole on the coaching staff? Remember, this is the third offensive coach they've lost this year. Frank Reich, Marcus Brady, now Clayton Adams. They're giving Kevin Mawai the tight ends to coach them in the blocking game. And they're giving Reggie Wayne the, the tight ends to coach them in the receiving game. I mean, these guys are jumping ship. These guys are jumping ship because they know what's going to happen. And that's not a small thing. Like the fact that three offensive coaches have left the staff since October is, is almost unprecedented. And the fact that one is voluntarily leaving with four games to go, I just, I've never heard of that. It's just very telling about how wacky this season is. And, and it tells you what the coaches think too, because they know, they know that this is a sinking ship and they're jumping off to save themselves before January arrives and and likely they're all let go. We'll see, but just add it to the list. Just add it to the list of the unprecedented, wild and weird and just bizarre things that have happened to this Colts team in the last calendar year. Yeah, that's this season. It'll be a season we will never forget because it was filled with things that we thought would never happen let alone Matt Ryan not living up to the hype or not being, you know, at least relatively good as a quarterback or, in my opinion, an average starting quarterback in the NFL. He's below average. He's been actually pretty bad, in my opinion. But no way we thought we would be sitting here now, you know, saying, hey, they've been outscored by X amount of points in the fourth quarter of the last two games. And, the, and then 55, yeah, 55 and then every, to zero. And every single NFL. week, Zach, it's like, all right, like we're on Stat Muse, we're on Pro Football Reference, and these are all like our, the sites that we use to search up different things. And we're finding, okay, when was the last time this happened? We had to look up yesterday. When was the last time a team had two ties in a season? That lets you know where this franchise is right now. And I think that a lot of people have checked out, and now they're just watching the, the draft position. And I can't lie, I'm checking tankathon.com. Hey, yesterday was a win day. in that regard. That was a win. I mean, I, I at, at late in the game, I'm like, don't tie. First of all, it's it's hard as hell to write about a tie. I hate ties. I hate adding that extra number at the end of the record. And then selfishly, they deserved, you know, they didn't deserve a tie. They deserved to lose the way they collapsed in the end. And it, it just it just felt appropriate if you're going to climb up in the draft position to just get up a little bit higher. Like that win does nothing for you in March or April. It does absolutely nothing for you. But they're still trying to win. And and that's the sad part. They've lost seven of eight, four in a row. 
And boy, Vegas was fun, but reality has hit and it's hit hard. And they have found a way to look worse every single week under Jeff Saturday. And that's a reflection of the decision made above him more than him. But that's it. That's it. Uh, Merry Christmas to all of you guys out there. Thank you for following. Thank you for reading. I've got some good stories this week. James has some good stories. You guys will be stunned that we have some good content despite the team that we cover. I promise it's worth it. I promise. But uh, thank you for reading (laughs) our stories from Minnesota. Wild game. Got back this morning. And um, the Colts have a long week. They uh, will get back on the practice field Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Take a little break for the holidays. And then they will play the Chargers and Justin Herbert on Monday night. So for James Boyd, this is Zach Kiefer. Merry Christmas to all of you guys, and we will catch up with you next week.